That was a good one, too. It goes along perfectly with my sermon next Sunday, so remind me of that one, whoever's leading singing. Lead that one for the lesson. Yes, next week. Uh, not you? <laughs> good evening to everyone. Thank you for coming back, and uh, I hope everyone will join in on our card ministry this evening. We've kind of had uh, not as many people come the last couple months, and just come down and write a card or two. That will be a, a big help. But uh, thank you for being here this, this evening. I hope you bought, brought your Bibles with you. Uh, we're going to be flipping through several scriptures tonight uh, as we think and continue to consider this idea of why did my Savior come to earth. This is part five, I believe, in our series, and I think we have one or two more lessons on this one. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, that is our first scripture. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 17. It says there, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota nor a, a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whenever I consider this thought that Jesus came to fulfill the law, my mind naturally goes to the teachings of Scripture. And certainly we see a lot of parallels from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant where they taught in the Old Covenant that, that there were a select group of God's people called the priest who were going on behalf of God for the people. But in the New Covenant, we see that fulfilled. We see that we all, everyone who is a part of God's church, everyone that's a part of the kingdom of God, that we are a priesthood of all believers. In the Old Covenant, we see where Jesus was this great high, excuse me, where they had a, a high priest, in the Old Testament, one guy from the lineage of Arian. Whereas on the other hand, when we come to the New Covenant, we have this great high priest named Jesus. And he is our great high priest forever. In the Old Covenant, you have this place called the temple where, where God's immediate presence was. And that's where people went to offer sacrifices to the Lord. But in the New Covenant, what you find is that the church, God's people, are the temple. That we are the temple and we have God's presence within us. In the Old Covenant, you had this holy nation of Israel, a, a physical people with a national law. But now under the New Covenant, we, the church, we are the holy nation of God. We are the spiritual Israel. Over and over you find in the scriptures where, where there is a fulfillment of the teaching of scriptures from the old to the new. And certainly in this passage that we just read, Jesus is focusing on how Jesus fulfills the teaching of the Old Testament. We see that here in his discussion about teaching the, these commandments or relaxing them or teaching them and, and how that determines whether you're least or, or great in the kingdom of God. We see that as he proceeds through the Sermon on the Mount, as he starts to talk about, about what was told to them of old and, and how he brings a different message or maybe even a fuller message. He often has this formula that he says, you have heard it said, 
but I say to you. Over and over he says this again. You have heard it said, you shall not murder. That was part of the old law. But he said, not only are you not to murder, but you're not supposed to have that anger that leads to murder. And not only are you not to commit adultery, but also you're not supposed to have this lust in your heart that leads to adultery. Over and over in the teachings of Scripture, we see that Jesus fulfills the law through his teaching. However, I believe there is another way that Jesus fulfills the law. And with this fulfillment, the need for the old law passes away. And it gives all of us complete access to our God. And before we get into that, before we look at how Jesus fulfilled the law, I think we need to first understand the situation that all of us are in as human beings. And for a moment tonight, I want us to imagine that we are given a test. I've endured some long tests in my life. Uh, three hours is the typical long test. I think the ACT was maybe four, four and a half. Those are some long tests. But the test I want you to think about tonight is a test that lasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 and a fourth days a year, at all times, you are taking this test. And when it comes to, to taking this test that continues every second of every day, there's no room for error. It's either you get everything right 100% or you fail. And even if you get 99.99% right, you still fail to pass this test. And if you fail, you get no walk with God, you get no forgiveness, you get no eternity with God. Well, do you want to take this test? thing is, we're already taking this test. And the times that we, we get things wrong, we, we get answers wrong, if you will, it's when we sin against God. See, according to the Scriptures, every time that we mess up and sin in our lives... It separates us from the Lord. We see this in Isaiah chapter 59 in verse 2, where it says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your gods. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That's what happens when we commit just one sin. There is a separation. Now, if me and Bethany were to separate, she would go to another town, and every time I tried to communicate with her, she would never return my phone calls. We would look at that situation and say, there is no relationship there. Well, that's essentially what God is saying here, is, is that when we sin, there's a separation. God has turned His face against us. He hears our prayers no more. That is, that is very hopeless for us to think about. Because it only takes one sin, one moment of rage, one moment of passion, one white lie. That's all it takes. One moment of lust or one moment of jealousy, a moment of pride. All that does, all it, all it takes is that for us to have God to separate himself from us. 
And the thing is, once that happens, there's nothing that we can do, no matter how many good and righteous things that we, we do in our lives, that we, we, we uh, practice before God, there's nothing that we can do to earn that relationship back, to bridge that gap, gap back. In other words, there's no bonus points to this test for us to get back to 100%. I think we see that further in Isaiah, Isaiah 64, Isaiah 64 and verse 6. Isaiah says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Your translation might say, like filthy rags, like filthy rags before God. He says there, We all fade like a leaf, for our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. The emphasis here is, is that even if we have righteous deeds before God, our sin is keeping Him from looking upon those deeds as, as something that's pleasing to Him. That's what happens when we sin against God. No matter how good you are, once you mess up, there's no takebacks. There's no mulligans. There's no way to make up for one mistake. Well, we better not mess up, right? But I think you know as well as I do, as that is just not practical at all. We see what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, excuse me, Romans chapter 3, about our condition, a situation we all are in as, as human beings. He says there, starting in verse 10, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God for their eyes. He shows our condition that none is righteous. No, not one. No one by our own doing is right before the Lord. And when we fail once, we fail to have a relationship with God. And that's a pretty hopeless and depressing situation, right? But that's the situation we all are in. At least, we're all in without Jesus. See, failure. Failure would be all of our stories if God had not stepped in. Our sin might cause a break of relationship with God, but what we read in the Scripture is that God is a forgiving God, and He wants to have a relationship with us. It, even though we have sinned, even though we have hurt Him, even though we deserve that separation, we find that God wants to have a relationship with us. Now, part of that plan in the beginning was for God to offer up this thing called the Old Law, the Law of Moses. And there was a sacrificial system within this law of Moses for the Israelites to come before God and, and to manage their sin problem. For the Israelites, if they offered animal sacrifices to God, it would atone for their sins and God would remain among His people. And they would continue to have God's protection and God's blessing. So that sounds good, right? You, you have an action to be able to atone for your, 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 your sin. So, in essence, there is hope for you, right? That sounds good. 
Yet still, even in this system, there was a distance. A distance between God and man. And we see in the book of Hebrews just how inadequate this system truly was. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. It reads there, For since the law has but a shadow of good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never be by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So here we see the inadequacy of, of the old covenant sacrifices. That no matter how many bulls, no matter how many goats, no matter how much blood was spilt, they continue to have a sin problem. It's kind of like your invoice every, every month for some type of bill. That you know that you are going to have to to pay that every single month. And so it's a continuous payment that had to be made. And and for the Israelites, they continually had to pay for their sins, which made their sin and their guilt of sin ever before them. They were constantly trying to tear down barriers just to maintain this relationship with God. I kind of compare it here recently to our trash situation in my household. Ever since Ezra was born, we have just had trash coming out of our ears. I mean, it's, just, it's hard to get all of the trash that we make each week into the, the can that Allied Waste gives us. And uh, some of that's because of, um, let's say, dirty diapers, to, to make it nice. And so that's some of the, the extra trash. But also, our parents were here, and, and then we've been trying to pare down some stuff. And so we've just been constantly fighting this, this trash problem, and, and we have to make sure that every week that we have the trash fully filled up just to, to maintain some level of, of, of sanitation at our house, okay? <laughs> We've had to do that week after week. It's a, a constant problem that we're having to face, and, and that's how it was for the Israelites. It was a constant problem that they had to face, that through their, their sinfulness, they had to continually offer these, these sacrifices Year after year, month after month, it was something that was ever before them. And I believe for them, over time, that would have created a distance, a separation before God, where they couldn't draw near to Him like they wanted to, because their guilt was before them. They had a reminder over and over, you're not good enough. Over and over, there's a reminder that you've got to do something to fix your sin problem. Over and over, you've got to tear down these barriers in order to have a relationship with God. However, Jesus then came. And Jesus tore down all those barriers. And He tore them down once for all. Let's keep reading there in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 5, Consequently, When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. 
Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, as it is written in the, in the scroll of the book. Here we see the differences between Jesus and the sacrifices of these bulls and goats, and that is that Jesus was a willing sacrifice. Those bulls and goats did not want to be killed that day. Jesus was willing to go to the cross and to die for our sins so that we could become perfect. Yes, I said the word perfect. That's making a 100 on the test. Look a little bit further in chapter 10 and verse 14. It says there, For, I, for by a single offering he, was, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified, those who are becoming more holy, those who are getting rid of their sin. And he has made us perfect. He has given us the 100%. Now flip back a little bit earlier in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 19. It speaks about the law and it says, For the law made nothing perfect. In other words, it was just managing their sin. It wasn't eliminating their sin. There's a difference there. That's how the Israelites were living. They were maintaining their sin day by day, sacrifice by sacrifice. But Jesus came to eliminate that perfectly. Verse 19, For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. Because Jesus has perfected us, now we can draw near to God. Because our sin has, has been eliminated. That guilt of sin, of, of trying to, to make amends for our, our wrongdoing, it has gone away. Jesus has come as a willing sacrifice for us. But not only was Jesus a willing sacrifice for us, but he was a perfect sacrifice. There are plenty of people who are willing to be a willing sacrifice. I think about the military. I think about the police. Their, their focus is to defend and serve. It's, it's to keep people safe. That is their, their focus and if it takes laying down their lives, they're willing to do that. That's part of the job. And so there are people that are willing to do that, but their sacrifice, no matter how sacrificial it is, it won't give us forgiveness of sin. There has to be more. It's not just being willing, but it's also about being perfect, a perfect sacrifice. And in the old law, what you find is, is these sacrifices that were made that they had to be perfect. That these animals that were offered had to be perfect without spot or blemish as they were offered to God. And that, that idea of being perfect and without blemish or spot is something that's applied to Jesus in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 19, it says that Jesus was like a lamb that was out without spot or blemish. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have any physical defects, that he was a perfect physical specimen, but instead what I'm talking about is his life, how he lived his life, that everything he said, everything that he did, everything that he thought, all of his motives were always right. Every single time, it's hard to even fathom, but that is true of Jesus, that he came, he came to do the Father's will, and he did it in every moment of every day. And because that is true, Romans chapter 9 is true. Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 3. 
Because Jesus was that perfect sacrifice, we see that he has fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. Romans 8, starting in verse 3, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus came to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. In other words, Jesus could do what we could never do ourselves. He fulfilled that righteous requirement because he actually got a 100%. In every way, in every thought, in every action, in every word, Jesus did what was righteous. He did what was right. And because of that, because of that, we now have a chance to have Jesus' righteousness fulfilled in us. In other words, Jesus got a 100 so that we can get a 100 before God. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice so that we can stand perfect before Jesus. And by fulfilling that righteous requirement, he did away with the old law. He did away with the old sacrificial system. Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 reads this way. Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that we have all been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus fulfilled the old law. He fulfilled that righteous requirement. And it did away with the old law. Then in Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10 and verse 4, this is what Paul says about the matter. Romans 10 and verse 4, he says, For Christ is the end, the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Jesus is the one who became righteous, who lived righteously so that we might live righteously as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, for, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Yes, no one is righteous, not on their own. But when Jesus made that perfect sacrifice, and when we accept it by faith, he gives us that righteousness. He gives us that status before God. He allows us to have a 100 before the Lord. And because that is true, we can boldly come before the Lord and have a close, intimate relationship with, with Him. We no longer have guilt reminding us of our sin over and over and over. But now we have a freedom to come before Him. This was a passage I read last week. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Since he's been tempted every way. He was tempted his whole life. He was tempted in every moment of every day just like we were. But he did it without sin. Because he did it without sin, because he got that 100, we can be 100 before God. We can boldly go before His throne and ask for His help in our time of need. All the barriers have been taken down 
And now we can have fellowship with God. And one of the big takeaways from this lesson that I had is that as we think about Jesus and what he has done for us and how we need Jesus, that we have no hope without Jesus. My big takeaway from this, from this study was don't assume God as your audience and your friend. Don't assume it. I think there's a lot of people in our culture, a lot of people in our world that think just because they're good people that God will listen to their prayers, that God will save them in the end. How many funerals have you been to where, where they, you have this person who has never darkened a door of a church building their whole life and the preacher preaches them into heaven? So often we assume just because we're, we're good people that we have an audience with God, that we are walking with God, that we have a hope with God. But here this passage shows us that without Christ, we are hopeless. We can only approach God. We can only have a relationship with Him because of Jesus, because He became our righteousness. We saw our state without Jesus. We saw that no one was righteous, no, not one. We saw that, that our, our righteous deeds were like filthy rags before God simply because of our sin. And it's only when Jesus forgives us of that sin, eliminates that sin from our lives, and makes us perfect. It's only then that we can have an audience with God. It's only then we can walk with God and have friendship with God, have a relationship with Him, and have a hope of eternal life with God. And so if you're not a Christian, if you haven't committed to Christ, don't assume you have a relationship with God if you, haven't, if you don't have Jesus in your life. He is so essential. It's so essential that we commit to Him, that we're baptized into Christ to start that walk with Him. Don't assume that you are good with God outside of Jesus, outside of obedience to Him. But also as I was thinking about this lesson, I think for those who are Christians, I think there is a lesson that we, we need to learn. Because sometimes we have this guilt that some of the old people in the old law had that was... Their sin was always before them. And sometimes I feel like we in the church can, can just feel guilty all the time. And we're constantly trying to, to make it up to God for all of our sins. That's vain effort. We can never make up for our sins. We can only receive the forgiveness that comes from the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. I know we have a tendency sometimes to think, well, I'm not good enough. I, I haven't done enough for the Lord. We, we have those, those narratives playing in our mind all of the time. What I want to say to you this evening, if, if you're struggling with that, if you're struggling with guilt day by day, if you're, you're allowing that to separate you and your relationship with God, let me just confirm to you, you are not good enough. But that's okay because Jesus is. Jesus is good enough. He is perfect. And only when we receive His forgiveness can we have have sin wiped away. Now certainly when we mess up and we, we do something wrong, we need to have that godly sorrow. We need to have that guilt. But once we have asked for forgiveness before our Lord, be done with it. Be done with that guilt. Don't live a life of guilt as a Christian. We have a Savior who has made us perfect, that has taken our sins and says, I will remember them no more. 
We are righteous, not because of how great we are, how perfectly we obey the Lord. Instead, we are forgiven because we had a Savior that came and died for us, and we have accepted Him by faith, gratitude, and obedience. And so, for those who are Christians, make sure you're in Christ. For those who are in Christ, make sure that you understand at your heart of hearts that that you are not good enough, but Jesus is. Jesus got that 100 so that we can be a 100 before God. And so let us all live like that's true. Let's pray together. Dear God, our Father, we're thankful that Jesus came as a perfect and willing sacrifice for us. We're thankful, Lord, that he had strength at every temptation that he faced and that he was willing to do your will even when it was so easy to yield. We're thankful, Lord, that he was that perfect sacrifice, that we don't have to to have our sin, our guilt of the past constantly before us, but we can have a full cleansing of our sin so that we can be perfect in your sight at all times, so that we can have complete access to you and boldly go before your throne day by day. For those of us who are Christians, help us to truly embrace that in our heart of hearts. While we might not be good enough, Jesus is. And for those who are not Christians, I pray, Lord, that they will make a decision to accept Jesus through their faith, their repentance, and their baptism, to turn their lives over to you, to not trust in their own good deeds and the good things they've done in their life, but trust in the good deeds and the righteousness of Jesus. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe there's someone this evening that needs to respond to this great message. That we once were hopeless without Christ, but now we have forgiveness through him. If you need to respond this evening, I think you know what to do. Please come forward as we stand and sing this invitation song.